You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hey, friends, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about my friends down at the 10th Ward Barbershop in downtown Pittsburgh, proudly serving the historic 10th Ward in Lawrenceville and the surrounding areas. 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. I can attest to this personally. I went down there to see my buddy Kane today. He shaped me up oh so nicely, gave me a laser beam part in the top of my head. I look fantastic, and he didn't take a ton of time to. He is literally the best that I've ever gone to. Trust me when I tell you that. But you also don't have to take my word for it as much as I want you to. WWE superstars like Bray Wyatt and Corey Graves have all stopped in to see Kane at his barbershop, and they will tell you the exact same thing. Now, right now, as much as they like having walk-ins, uh, during COVID time, they're only accepting appointments. So the best way for you to get in to see Kane or any of the other fantastic staff at their shop is to go right onto their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and sign up for an appointment. That's 10th10thwardbarbershop.com. You can find them down here in downtown Pittsburgh. Stop in and see Kane and tell them that Goober sent you. Foundation Radio is brought to you today by The Dugout. The Dugout specializes in one-of-a-kind vintage and distressed clothing at an affordable price. One of my favorite t-shirts in my entourage right now is a Dudley Boys distressed vintage t-shirt from the late 90s and the, the greatest time in wrestling and the greatest tag team of all time. I now own one of their shirts. Also, I have this really rad Prince and the Revolution t-shirt from Purple Rain. All of the distressing work that they do is done by hand, so you know you're getting a quality product at an affordable price. And the great news is is that domestic shipping is always free within the United States. And right now, if you go onto their Etsy shop and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll get 15% off of your entire purchase. That's right, 15% off your entire purchase. So you get an even better deal on an already affordable piece of amazing clothing. So go ahead and give them a follow right now at The Dugout Brand on Instagram. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And don't forget, if you go to their Etsy shop right now and use promo code FOUNDATION at checkout, you'll get 15% off of your entire purchase. The Dugout, customized and vintage apparel. Peace and good morning, world. Welcome to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard, and thank you so much for joining me on this incredible Tuesday morning. I hope everybody out there is hanging in there as we continue to try to get back to normal. I'm also really excited because it's officially WrestleMania week. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about this year's WrestleMania, just like there was last year. But honestly, guys, I'm just happy we're getting some form of wrestling in some capacity. May not be exactly what we want. May not be exactly what we pictured. But honestly, it's something and I'm grateful. Today's guest is Josh Chernoff, host of the incredible So Says Chernoff on Fight TV, as well as the podcast The Mind of the Meanie with ECW original The Blue Meanie. And that was extreme on adfreeshows.com. Josh stops by to talk to me about his love of Hasbro action figures, his most recent viral video response to Dave Meltzer's tone-deaf and outrageous tweet from last week, and at the end of the interview, I rapid-fire some wrestling questions at him. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter. He's at So Says Chernoff, and while you're at it, go pre-order his action figure that's coming out. It's a two-pack action figure set with him and the Blue Meanie. I'm extremely jealous that he'll be an action figure before I am, but that's okay. It's still early in 2021. Anything can happen. You can pick him up at Cellist Toys. That's C H. 
E-L-L-A-Toys.com. That's the place you want to go to pre-order right now. If it's your first time joining us here at Foundation Radio, be sure to hit the subscribe button and let me know how we're doing. Be sure to check out all of our content in our archives at foundationradio.net. We've got a bunch of cool people that have joined us, everyone from Tommy Chong to Bill Goldberg to Asher Roth. We also have the third part of our three-part Dungeons & Dragons story coming up pretty soon in the next couple weeks. I'm really excited about getting that one on the books, so go ahead and check it out. Again, it's at foundationradio.net. All right, friends, let's welcome Josh Chernoff to the show. Chernoff, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today, man. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, your tie game, I have to tell you right <laughs> off the top of the bat, man, that is absolutely proper. Where are you getting those ties from? And like, it's just amazing. Yeah. So thank you. Um, and I feel bad that I didn't put a tie on. This. Um, <laughs> I look like a schlub today, man. You're fine. No, I'm just I'm just wearing my uh, sarcasm, uh, king of sarcasm t-shirt as created by the great Andy Slichter. Um, no, my, my ties, uh, when I used to wrestle, I had, uh, when I really started out, I was inspired by Rob Van Dam, uh, having airbrush singlets. And, um, I actually had the opportunity to meet him at, uh, heat wave 99. And he gave me the number to the person who does his, uh, his singlets, but there was such a long wait. Um, I think the guy was just kind of like, who is this kid bothering me? So I found a local place and uh, long story short, 20 years later, I'm still uh, God, tw- more than 20 years at this point, but uh, I still go to a woman who originally worked at the place. The place has since shut down, but mm-hmm. uh, she continues to do stuff. And uh, so she'll airbrush my ties. Sometimes they're appliques, um, like iron on type thing. You know, if it's really right. when I do like an AEW show and we use the AEW logo, mm-hmm. I mean, that's way too detailed. And, and right, small. right. Yeah. You know, if it was on a bigger scale, she could absolutely handle the detail, but you know, for something like a tie. Uh, so then I just get a bunch of, you know, I honestly, not to, not to kill the gimmick, but I get the, uh, cheapest ties I possibly can. Cause why are you spend, you know, especially when it's on, on, uh, you know, on video, uh, right, as opposed right. to in person, but I get those and, and, uh, I sometimes will give her more details. Uh, sometimes I'll just give her kind of an abstract idea of what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And she just knocks it out of the park every That's time. Awesome. Um, That's amazing. But it was, uh, when I was working first time I, I did anything with Bill after, um, I mean, it's not the first time I did anything, but the first time when I kind of came back into the wrestling business as a non-wrestler. Right. And because uh, I've known Bill since I was nine. But um, I did. a uh, He was doing a little YouTube show um, once a week. He would just go live on YouTube and I joined him at the end. I was just wearing a, a like a, a, a polo shirt, just regular like dark blue polo shirt. And uh, after he's like, you need a gimmick. You need something. You got to stand out. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do some like ridiculous, you know, whatever. Right, and I started right. thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what if I kind of wear like a brighter colored shirt or a brighter colored tie? And I had this like salmon colored tie from a wedding I was in. And I'm like trying to think about it. And then I was like, what if I call the person who used to do my singlets and ask, you know, 
if, uh, if they would do the ties and, um, and yeah, the rest is history. So start started super like, you know, like it, it, there was, it just said, so says Chernoff. Like that was it. Right. You know, it was nothing, <laughs> nothing really at all. And uh, so now they're like, some of them are so elaborate. I've got ones of pictures of me as an action figure, pictures of me from Retromania. Um, wow. So, you know, they're, they're, it's been a lot of fun. Now that is actually something I wanted to talk to you about too, because I saw yeah. that um, uh, you are now an action figure. You are a retro Hasbro action figure, which I mean, yeah. it's been my dream. I remember like from the time I was about four or five years old, having those Hasbro figures and, and imagining myself as one of these toys. And now you actually get to do that. Like how, how wild is that for you to see yourself as an action figure now? Because obviously it's, you're, you, you have the, the cave of glory behind you there. With all, <laughs> you're all yeah, set which up, sometimes but. I'm like, you know what? I should rearrange these shelves. Cause I don't do an action figure show. Right, um, right. So I'm like, maybe I shouldn't just have action figures everywhere. But right. um, no, it, it is, uh, it's mind blowing. It, it, it's really, I mean, it sounds disingenuous to just be like, oh, I just feel so, you know, I feel so blessed. I feel so, right. like, you know, that. right. but um it's definitely a pinch yourself type of thing. So the only figure I've ever had in hand is the prototype, which oh, was no already shit. enough to just be like, wow, that's insane. Right. Um, so I think the next step is when the actual figures themselves show up, which we're hoping is going to be in the next month or so. And that's so crazy that I'm just like, you know, to see it on the car. Cause I've seen pictures of the card backing. Right. And I've seen, I've actually even seen pictures they've sent me, the weirdest thing, uh, especially since my eyebrows are so prominent uh, as a person, <laughs> they sent me the figureheads, like a bin of figureheads, which almost seemed threatening, but they sent like a <laughs> bin of these figureheads of mine where my hair and my beard are painted, but the eyebrows haven't been painted yet. Oh my God. And like, it's just the creepiest looking thing, <laughs> but also so cool. Um, that is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, uh, being in a two pack with the blue meanie. Yeah. There's I mean, a whole other aspect as a, as a wrestling fan. Like right. we just had the, um, he just posted something about uh, WrestleMania 15. Right. And, right. Uh, and so I, I shared a photo of me as I told him, I said, you know, just watching from afar. Um, but I was at WrestleMania 15, which was his only WrestleMania. And I have a picture of, from that, from, you know, when he, went to the ring with gold dust and he, right. he's just down at ringside and I'm up, you know, in the stands. And, and if you would have told me then, you know, 20 something years later, not only will you be friends with him, you know, from doing right. a show with him, you'll be doing the show, but you're going to have a two pack of action figures with him. I mean, honestly, the idea of that, I would have been like, that's random. Blue meanie. Why am I <laughs> like a very, such a specific yeah. ECW yeah, right. Philly thing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, oh, that's amazing. Like, oh, that seems bizarre, but no, it's so cool. And, uh, the part I'm really looking forward to is my kids getting to play with the figure because yeah. they're not allowed to touch the prototype. Cause I have to send it back. <laughs> um, it was only sent for a photo for us to do promotional photos, but right. I have to send it back to them and they will break it instantly. So, yes. uh, yes. cause it is not the real figure. It's not, yeah. you know, I don't know what, <laughs> what, if it's like a resin or whatever, but it, yeah. it will fall apart. Um, it's probably like that, that Greg, the hammer Valentine, the rhythm yeah. and blues figure, yeah. right? Well, yeah. Like, I know. I'm pretty sure like they're just pegs that like stick the arms in and stick mm -hmm. the head in. It's not the same like Connective. connection as, yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm like, no, you can't touch this at all. Like I had a figure, yeah. um, that I, I don't even know. I, I think it was, I don't know. I don't know which figure it was, but it was like an early Mattel thing. When, when Mattel first started making the line, I was like, I should buy these figures. Well, this is years, years after, you know, I was playing with figures. So I, right. I had these 
figures. I'm like, well, I don't really know what to do with them. So I just kind of put them in a bin. Well, my son, who's turning four this month, he wanted to, uh, he, he wanted to play with all the figures that are here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I was like, well, you know what I've got, uh, let me see. And I like dug in and I found uh, Cody Rhodes, um, which I think actually I used to have on display because I have a display uh, over my shoulder here and uh-huh. this is audio, but of everybody that I've worked with, that's, oh, what that's the whole, awesome. like big display is to my, uh, to my left. But uh, so I had an old Cody until I got the AEW Cody to replace it. So right. I think that's where this one came from. And I gave it to him and this figure had never been played with, never been touched other than like out of the package, put on put display on or put in a bin or whatever. Yep. Within like five minutes, my, it, it, you would have thought that my son had been playing with this figure for years. Like no it shit. was so beat up. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so um, he's sitting there going, damn it, Cody, why don't you give daddy a job? But, um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it, uh, it was, so I'm like, you cannot touch these figures, but I'm really, right. I mean, you know, a uh, short story long, I'm yeah, very, yeah. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, That's amazing. It, it is. It's just so cool. When I was maybe seven or eight, I mean, maybe it was mm. like eight or nine, I called Hasbro and really, yeah. And I just kept calling and calling until they gave me someone who was probably an intern, but I, but you know, and they lied to me and said it was somebody important, but naturally, um, yeah. I asked them how much money it would be to get figures of myself and like my family and my friends made. Uh And if my memory is correct, I think they said it'd be like $500 for each mold, which like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like, well, back then I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, well, you know, I'll never have money like $500. Uh, you know, now I would have been like, you know, been like, yep, let's do, do it. it. But I yep. think they were lying to me anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's a dream come true. It's, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's, That's amazing, it's really man. incredible. Michelle did a great job. They really um, did. I saw and stuff. I saw some of the photos on, on your Twitter and on Instagram and just, I can't wait to actually pick them up. I'm a big blue mini fan. I've been a fan of ECW for as long as obviously the Philly connection, right? Like yeah, you just, yeah. you have to like, I was actually talking to my wife about this. My wife is actually starting to get into wrestling now as you know, my son and I are getting back into it. And, mm. um, she was asking me questions about ECW and I said, well, it wasn't like WWF and WCW, right? Like you yeah, had right. to wait till like Friday or Saturday <laughs> night at like two 30 in the morning and find yeah. like a fucking WGTV station that you had to like yep. fiddle with the remote in. And then it was WGTW, like GTW channel 48. Yeah. That's the one channel yep. 48. And it's like, you have to wait. And you, then you hear Paul Heyman screaming and you're like, Oh shit, this is about to be the greatest thing I've ever watched. And yep. um, we were talking about some of the content that's being pulled off of Peacock right now. And yeah. I wanted to ask you just because, you know, I'm curious uh, uh, in general with this question, how much of the original ECW content do you think is going to land on Peacock? Man, uh, (laughs) that is a tough one. You know, I'd be curious to see what I I was reading some uh, an article that uh, Edge had done and he was talking about how Peacock uh, had Vikings on. Right. And how they were just launching Vikings that show that he had been on for years. Right. He's like, you know, 
he's like, wrestling's in this weird cat. I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, wrestling's in this weird category that I've never understood because they're putting Vikings on and I'm beheading people in Vikings and doing all this. But then there, you know, he's like, you know, there are sex scenes in Vikings. He's like, I, I didn't really have sex in Vikings and I didn't really have sex in the ring in the live sex show. Right. So like, you know, he's like, but wrestling's held to this different standard in this different right. category. And you know, it's a tough thing. I said it um, on another podcast that I did. Uh, and, you know, it's tough for me as a, as a, a white guy to sit here and, and make any commentary on the removal of, of like the nation uh, parody. Right. The, the blackface. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as, when I was growing up watching, you know, th- I think it was like three of them were in some form of blackface. And right. when I was watching it to me, I was like, Oh, that's cool. Xbox, you know, he painted his face. So he looked like Mark Henry. Right. Like, exactly. I yeah. You're not, under- you're not connecting. Yeah, the correlating, I didn't right. understand the history of blackface and, and how offensive that mm-hmm. is. Right. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, and look, that was my, my teenage ignorance. And especially in the nineties, that wasn't something wasn't, that anyone right. was talking about. Right. Doesn't forgive it, but it's, but so, it's, con- you know, it's context though, right? Like you have to look right. at things inside of a bubble because you can't, you can't look at like, I'm the same way I would have. And at, at that time in my life, I was probably 13 years old. Mm. I, I didn't really know uh, how deep and ingrained blackface is in, in society and how offensive right. it is. you're 13. Like you, you know, again, it's, it's, it's now knowing as a 35 year old man, like, yo, that shit would never fly yeah. now. And it shouldn't have flied back then, but right. it's, it's yeah. But then I mean, there's things yeah. like removing the scene with McMahon, uh, using the N word. Right. Right. I remember watching that live. I knew right then and there mm-hmm. that that was not a good move. Right. Um, right. So there <laughs> right. was no question about that. Was, that. I was, yeah. you know, I, I, I could, remember going like, that is not okay. Right. What the, you know? Yeah. Um, I couldn't so believe that still. That. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's such a tough thing because I hate censorship. I right. hate the idea of that. Um, but, you know, it's not censorship if you're making the decision to do it yourself. You know, that's right. like, I, I would say that that's the same as, you know, you started your Facebook account in college and you have pictures of yourself, you know, out drinking with your friends. And now you're a grown man with children and have a job. And you're like, I think I'm going to take these pictures off of my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's not censorship. That's you going I made some choices when I was younger and that I don't want those to reflect the person I am today. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To me, um, that that's kind of what it is. And right. You know, are they rewriting history? Yeah. In a way, is it a way you can argue that it makes WWE look like, Oh, they never did anything wrong. But like we know, and there's enough, you know, there's enough history out there that like, you know what, what they did right and what they did wrong. And right. Um, you know, but I think for them to move forward as a company, that there's no reason that a kid who has never seen that before mm-hmm. should be introduced to it as though it was a, a positive thing. And you put that disclaimer <laughs> right. of like, you know, this doesn't reflect the current times and a kid's going to be like, that's so cool. What am I going to watch? This is right. Yeah. You know, this, is so, this is like sneaking into an R rated movie. So like, <laughs> You know, well, I think it, it's it's different than Benoit, right? It it's different than, than the Chris Benoit situation, right? Like, I feel like yeah. that in and of itself is sort of unique where, you know, I mean, he, for Christ's sake, he won the 2004 Royal Rumble at, yeah, after being a, number one and, and yeah. building him, launching him into the top spot. So when you look back on it, you're like, oh, shit, you know that, like, the context of this guy murdered his family. Right. 
but how do you remove him from that lineage of the belt, right? How do you remove yeah. him from that time in the, in the company? So I think in some aspects, that's a little bit more difficult than saying, okay, well, Vince McMahon saying the N word on television or he calls sure. Sabu a terrorist, you know, like we should probably, right. we should probably cut that. But yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily have any dog in that fight whatsoever. Like yeah, if Peacock decides to do that, then that's completely on them. But I think that there's a lot of I, what I call the performative outrage where people are like, Oh, I can't believe they're pulling this nation of domination skin. It's like, do you guys really, this is the hill you want to die on right now? Right, like right. <laughs> you're going to fight I mean, for I just, this. The only thing for me is I just feel bad for, you know, Joe Gertner's become a friend and I just feel like for him to not even appear once on Peacock, because I mean, you can pick and choose whatever, right. whatever you want from Joel Gertner and none of that's going to fly if you're, <laughs> if you're cutting out language. <laughs> yeah. So, um, right. you know, poor guys say we're going to end up on TV. Yeah. yeah please Jesus just Christ. at least have like still frames of Joel right. or something to Some... remember him by, uh, <laughs> even just but... like paste him in somewhere crudely would be fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's totally it, cool. So really what it's going to come down to is I don't know what they're, what, you know, when they say like our, you know, it has to meet our standards or whatever it is, um, our ideals, I don't know where they're drawing the line. If they're drawing right. the line with with, you know, blood, if they're drawing the line with language or if it's strictly uh, as it relates to race, you know, right. um, and if that's the case, then, you know, I'm all for taking out the, the racist stuff. Unfortunately, you dig back into wrestling and it was all racist to an extent in the right, fact that right. like back in, you know, even as, as late as like the as late as the nineties, like you had just characters yeah. that were just based purely on, Oh, what's your ethnicity? Okay. And then you'd also have the characters where you're just like, Oh, what are you? You're Samoan. Cool. You're Japanese now. And like, right. right. You know, you're talking which, about Yokozuna which, and you're talking about Saba Simba and characters yeah, like that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Saba yeah. Simba's the one that I had in mind. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but there's a lot of, I mean, yeah. So it's tough. It's, it's tough in right. that regard. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think like, like you said, you know, I don't really have a, a dog in the fight and I just think I just want to, I don't want to lose great content because WWE has kind of become the, you know, they're, they're the gatekeepers of wrestling right. history. Right. Um, so I want to know that I'm able to see, I just want them to, 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 remove things appropriately you know what i mean right not a hack job right, right. just make sure yeah. that the, it's it's trying to keep everything as tight as possible again like like you know and then to put a bow on this too with with roddy piper and bad news brown i mean as a kid seeing yeah. roddy piper half black you know that the, the the shoe polish or whatever I mean, he had i never got it i never understood it i never I got it understand. either i didn't even, even understand now. like to the point like where like like i said with like the nation i'm like oh they they changed their skin color so they look more like the guys they're pretending to be right um which again removing the idea of the history of blackface it kind of is like like if you're gonna go as uh you know I'm, I'm trying to think of someone like if you're gonna go as as Dolph Ziggler for Halloween you're gonna put on a blonde wig right right neither right. of us have blonde hair um now don't get me wrong I understand that is not <laughs> even in, in the at the you know, stratosphere of right. the same you know um but uh but that's so I could always look at at, at at that in one way the Roddy Piper thing I mean dude. 
I don't really get <laughs> what he was doing. That was that was straight up race related. Right. Um, and he even and, says it so much. You know, you're just like, yeah. oh, Jesus, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. But anyway, let's get back on. So we talked about your Hasbro's a little bit, which, again, yeah. I'm extremely jealous. I actually just moved to Pittsburgh recently. So everything mm. I own is in storage, which includes my giant box of Hasbro. So uh, um, so as far as like your career, when did you start getting into the podcasting game? I know it was with Bill after, right? That was yeah. your first foray into that. Tell me a little bit more about after your after chats. When, how did that come about? So my first fear, uh, for a uh, man, I can't even talk right now. Uh, I'm <laughs> it's a great still, podcaster. It's still um, early, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my first experience with podcasting was actually, I was living out in California. Um, and I had done some stuff with, uh, um, or was it after buzz TV. Okay. And, uh, and I was kind of, which is where like, I know Sean Waltman was doing a bunch of stuff. It was Maria Menounez's, um, oh, okay. uh, company. And I did a couple of like post show, um, post pay-per-view mm-hmm. shows with them, uh, as like guest spots. And then, um, I did my own thing called the wrestling hour. And it was basically like, uh, uh, I forget how we described it, but it was like, um, the inside the actor studio. It was that concept. Right. Uh, Okay. Talk about somebody's career and just kind of dive deep into it. And I had something like seven or eight episodes of it and I did it every week and it was cool. And Bill after was actually my first guest. And this would have been back in, in, uh, 2014. Um, and I did that and I had like, uh, like Cliff Compton was on and, um, Cassidy Riley and some people that I knew from OVW when I was Mm. down there. And, uh, and it was fun. I mean, it was, it was neat, but it, it pretty much seven, eight episodes in, I'm like, all right, well, my Rolodex is done. Like, I, don't know. And I hated the idea of bothering people you right. know, to be guests and all that. So that was pretty much it for me in wrestling. And it reached a point where, uh, I would still listen to some podcasts. I listened to, you know, Steve Austin and Jericho and, uh, and Jim Ross. And I was listening to Jim Ross's podcast at one point, And he mentioned, uh, about how uh, Bruce Pritchard is is killing it over there with uh, something to wrestle, and I'm like, ah, I can give that a shot. Like, yep. you know, I'm like brother love. Listen to what he's he's got to say. <laughs> so of course, I became an enormous fan of something to wrestle. Right. Um, told my friends about it, and it was the first. My friends, this is all the my brother, and these are the people who I'm actually wearing the thing here, talking with friends. Oh, okay. Um, which is a a show on, exclusively on the Mind of the Meanie YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, youtube.com slash mind of the meanie where every like once a month uh my i sit down with my friends the people that i was in the business with people that i was just fans of the business with uh i mentioned my brother uh who also works with ad free shows uh he does the animation for their stuff and oh, that's um, awesome yeah um and uh so we you know I, I, I introduced them to something to wrestle and that was a way for us to all kind of get back into wrestling like we never stopped watching but we weren't really into it. Like we didn't really want to talk about it. We didn't really, you know, um, and we got back into it. And and then we went down to the ECW arena um, in January of, I want to say, I don't even remember. Oh, I guess it was 08 or no, 08. She's 18. Um, I, I refuse to believe that the nineties was this long ago. I can't, um, I so, saw something, I side note, I saw something today that kids who talk about the nineties today are like us when we talk oh, about the sixties back that. then. It's like, please stop, make it stop. I know I that, that hurts so <laughs> I don't bad. Wanna, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. No, uh, that was really rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw that. I showed it to my wife and you know, God, make her cry too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, so we, we, uh, 
So we went down to a live something to wrestle. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember telling my wife like before, and I got tickets to raw and SmackDown. I'm like, I've been out of the wrestling business for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the last time I had wrestled. And I'm like, you know what? Um, I would like to just be a fan again. I love this show, something to wrestle. I think when WWE comes to town, I just want to go see their shows. I just want right. to go and enjoy wrestling and just not overthink it and have fun with it, whatever. Six months later, I'm doing a podcast with Bill after and back <laughs> into the business. So, right. you know, uh, that came about um, bumping into Bill, who, of course, like I said, I've known since I was nine and him mm. inviting me to do the YouTube show and and people responding positively that we had good chemistry. He's like, come back next week. And the first person, when I did that YouTube show, we happened to have Conrad on the phone. Oh, no way. Uh, That's to awesome. talk about the first Starcast. And on air, Bill's like, well, I'm going to bring Josh with me as like, uh, you know, whatever. And, and when we get off the air, he's like, call Conrad and ask him if it's okay for you to go. I'm like, well, didn't you just invite me on the air? I'm like, this is awkward now. Yeah. And Conrad was like, happy to have you. That would be great. So I went with my buddy Calvin, who does the video stuff for, you know, uh, for whenever I'm doing like live stuff. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, I used to run my house. Um, <laughs> and uh, we went down to StarCast and it was awesome. We did interviews for the after chat uh, and it was just a lot of fun. And uh, doing that podcast with Bill was um, I learned a lot about the podcasting side of it. Mm-hmm. Bill and I had a lot of fun. Scheduling was just impossible right and it reached a point where i think we did 30 episodes together and um it reached a point where i was just like i I can't commit the time that he has like right based on his schedule it wasn't time i could commit so what some people don't know is that for the remaining i think eight episodes of the after chat that i wasn't a part of i was still editing them and still put it it wasn't oh wow people were like oh did you guys have heat you guys have a falling out. It's like, no, I love Bill. Bill's family. Like this is right. You know, like <laughs> this was have time, yeah. a, a scheduling and business decision. Like this right. wasn't, you know, um, and I was still helping him put the stuff up. And then he moved on to other stuff and he's doing some, some really fun stuff now. Uh, and kind of back, you know, uh, on inside the ropes with the, the, uh, magazine. So right. he's doing, he's doing awesome stuff, but, um, but that was it. And then I was kind of like, you know, while I was doing that show, I had to be so, straight laced because bill you know people would come down on on us for me being sarcastic they thought i was being disrespectful to bill and that was when i actually had the line i said hey you know look sarcasm's my superpower that's all i've got and that became a t-shirt which is my highest selling t-shirt over no tease.com slash so says sure enough um cheap plug there but uh <laughs> But that became the whole, and right now I'm wearing my, you know, king of sarcasm, sarcasm. And, and I've got superstar sarcasm. It looks like the old superstars of wrestling, you know, oh, nice. Nice. Um, logo. And, you know, that really became kind of my gimmick, but it was uh, November a couple of years ago. Um, I was like, well, what if I do the So Says Chernoff Survivor Series special? And I was like, which I came up with because it was just difficult to say. And I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> and it was like, I'm like, oh, it'll be like a satirical news, like, you know, covering mm-hmm. my favorite Survivor Series moments. And, and it'll just be a way for me to have a bit of an outlet where I can be a little bit more of the straight man when I'm doing the show with Bill, but I can do a little bit more comedy and show my personality more. Um, and I did that. And it was a, a really big hit. People loved it. And, uh, you know, two months later, I was, or actually a month later, I was having a conversation with Mike Weber from fight. Um, wow. 
and they wanted to bring me on and put the show on there. And we talked about, you know, Hey, do you want to do it weekly? And I said, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> they're like, you know, who's your crew? And I'm like, it's me. Uh, so no, I'll do it monthly. Um, but then I had, uh, you know, the great people over at Montgomery County community college, I was mm -hmm. doing a radio show that they have called completely damaged over there. I was guest and, uh, Matt Porter who works there. Great guy. Uh, he said to me, he's like, well, you've seen like our TV studio. I was like, no, I've never seen that before. He's like, yeah, we have it. And he's like, let me see if I can like work things out. And uh, by my second show of So So Sure Enough, we were in that TV studio with an actual audience. Uh, originally the wow. audience was mostly just friends, but eventually we ended up putting out like Facebook ads and had actual people come. Oh, that's amazing. And I had a real crew that would film it with multiple cameras and all. And then COVID happened. Um, right. But, yeah. you know, I had a good year at Monco doing, uh, doing my show from the studio, which was great. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that was kind of, you know, um, I was doing that and, and fight was constantly looking for more content and more stuff for me to do. And we created this on the ropes, uh, show, which was like sit down interview stuff. And, right. uh, and that all came from, I did an interview with Joel Gertner on so, so sure enough. And it got such a good review that they were like, well, have you thought about doing more interviews? And I'm like, well, it's kind of, you know, back then you don't realize that we're going to be able to do things like this, right, um, right. that every show I was going to have interviews with people that were over, you know, zoom or Skype or something like that. Right. But back then I'm like, it's kind of tough to get them in the studio. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I was like, well, what if I go, if we do a separate show and I go to these places? So I went to MLW mm -hmm. and, did a bunch of interviews for on the ropes. Well, on the ropes had plans WrestleMania last year, that weekend we, we were going to do, I think like 30 interviews and Holy have like shit. a full, full season of, I think it was gonna be like a 30 episode season of on the ropes on, wow. on fight. And then of course COVID. COVID happened and that was it. So I think there's on fight, there's like maybe six episodes. I still have a great interview with Savio Vega that I never, that never even got released. Cause we oh, didn't man. have, you know, um, but uh, during that interview, I did, I, I, or during that, that show, I did an interview with the Blue Meanie. Mm -hmm. And we had always been kind of friendly at the conventions and stuff. It was the first time we really sat down and did like a longer interview. And apparently that was the thing that kind of sparked in his mind about doing a podcast with me. And right, that's the mind of Meanie that you, that yep. and hit he, with him, right? And he shot me a message and that was, and, and, you know, the, the rest is history, as they say, um, yeah. asked me if I'd be interested and, and here we are, we just had our one year anniversary show last week and oh, that's awesome. You know, so we're, as soon as we wrap up here, I'm going to yep. do, uh, episode 54, uh, oh, okay. which now the video versions on fight and, you know, so yeah, mind of the meanie is, is my, uh, my home base now. That's amazing. And now you, oh, you mentioned Joel Gertner as well. You are doing a new show with them called and, and blue mini. That was extreme, right? Tell me yes. a little bit more yeah, about that's that. On, that's on ad free shows. Um, and that's also, once a month. Ad free shows is probably the coolest thing in the entire world, right? Oh, like dude, it's I'm, amazing. I'm also uh, a huge fan of something to wrestle. Conrad mm -hmm. is, has been on the show, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, that was like the first time I really 
found myself also getting back into wrestling, going back and watching yeah. the older shows and then watching the newer stuff. And, you know, obviously 83 weeks is one of my favorite shows on there as well, but mm-hmm. uh, ad free shows. I mean, it's just a fantastic product. If you're a pro yes. wrestling fan, you get all kinds of, you know, not only do you get the shows early and ad free, but you also get all kinds of exclusive content from them. And it's just, it's just Arn Anderson and Jim Ross. I mean, and it's, it's a who's who of, of, of people in pro wrestling. And it's, and yeah. so, so now that was extreme is now on ad free shows as well. It is. Yeah. And we're, we're not behind the paywall. So we're kind of that, uh, you know, uh, that, that gateway for, right. for them, you know, <laughs> the gateway drug. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're a free show. So, um, you know, come and enjoy that. And they have some other free content on there and you're just going to look at it and then you're going to look at the price and you're going to go, here's all the stuff behind the paywall. This is ridiculous. Why am I not paying this? And, exactly. Right. And you're going to sign up. But um, yeah, so we just did our fourth episode. Uh, it's the first of every month uh, we put out an episode and it's looking back on either, uh, you know, characters or... Um, I should say careers or uh, events from mm-hmm. ECW. Uh, awesome. And it's been a blast. And I think That's we're really amazing. starting to hit our stride. Um, we're having a lot of fun with it. Now, I know I wanted to talk about uh, the Fight TV show. So says Chernoff. Um mm-hmm. recently. And speaking about Bruce, you actually got a plug recently <laughs> on something to wrestle regarding a video that's i guess you could call it like viral at this point right i uh, guess it's it's you, like a like a common cold <laughs> i guess like it's not, it's not quite covid right yeah, it's, it's not a common COVID cold maybe yeah, yeah yeah you uh you went pretty hard man you went pretty hard at both jim Cornette and dave Meltzer. i felt like your uh your your fire was more directed at Meltzer. like it came a yeah. lot harder at Meltzer, and rightfully so um i mean but Cornette got it too tell me a little bit more did you like, was that something that you just initially set out to do? Or was it just the fact that you saw that tweet? Cause I saw that tweet from Meltzer too. And my first thought was, dude, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, why would you, why would you say something like that? And then yeah. like, you know, you were basically, and I tweeted this at you too. It's, 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 you were saying what everyone is thinking about this yeah, particular which, situation. And, and I yeah. appreciate it. It definitely struck a chord with people. Uh, the only negative I ever, I've heard at all was uh, two people had took issue with the fact that I brought up Hannah Kimura and they felt that I did it in like a self-serving way, uh, which I didn't think I did. I, I thought I brought her up. Um, I brought her up the, the seriousness of her, uh, of her killing herself was why I brought it up. Right. To say like, Hey, you think what I'm saying is, is, you know, some guy just getting sad and about, you know, Oh, your tweet upset me. You know, I was trying to drive home that, you know, when something serious like that happens, we can all look back and go, Oh my God, like, I can't believe, you know, this, why did, why didn't anyone notice someone was doing that? And I was trying to make the point, like, I don't believe Dave Meltzer wants anybody to die. I don't believe he wants, you know, and and that, you know, my point was not saying, God, I can't believe you want people to die. Like, how are, how could you be like that? Right. Point was saying like, dude, do you understand you have a reach and that your words matter and that you can't just, you know, you can't just say, just flippantly say, please die. Right. You know, and, and, and I'm not all for the cancel culture. You know, I'm not, I usually, I mean, God, I have a satirical news show where I make fun of people. Like, <laughs> okay. right. I, and I understand the the hypocrisy to a sense of, of what I, of me insulting someone else for saying something insulting, but that hypocrisy leans more towards maybe calling out Jim Cornette. Right. Um, but again, I felt, right or wrong, that Jim Cornette was calling out 
the person, not the character. And that right. annoyed me. Right. And, but I also feel that when you do that, you then become fair game yourself. Right. Which is you, why I was able to make the cracks about Cornette that I did. Because when you're going to go on your show and you're going to say all these things about people who never said anything about you, this, these unprovoked attacks on people, right. to me, you then become fair game. Because my job is to come out in a hopefully comedic way and, and be that voice for all of those other people who don't have that platform to come back and say, hey, you said this. Well, Here's, here's the response right, right, right. with Meltzer. I, I saw, it's funny, the whole thing, I was supposed to have a guest and scheduling didn't work out. And I'm like, well, crap, what am I going to do? I'm like, well, right. I'll do a little thing on Cornette. And yeah. that was it. And then I saw the Meltzer thing and I was like, you know what? I'm, this is not yeah. going in headlines. This is going to go in my little rant that I get yep. to do. And it's called sure enough soapbox. Cause it's me up on my soapbox, you know, yeah. be, saying what's bothering me. And I love this one guy like said something. I'm actually going to talk about this on next month's show, but like, or I guess this month's show. And, uh, and, but some guy was like, you know, uh, your opinion's okay because you say so. And I'm like, yeah, the show's called. So oh, says sure enough. Like it's literally <laughs> it's me the saying, title, man. Yeah. This is my opinion. Like this is right. not fact. This is not, you know, I'm not claiming to be a reporter. Right. I'm just, you know, and half the time I'm making jokes. It, it, it's, but Meltzer, it just, um, did it bother me more than it should have? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think it, maybe I was taking out some aggression on the fact that he'd been pissing me off for so long. Right. From when he blocked me because I asked if he would give a star rating to Meanie Tunes. Like, you know, it, it was <laughs> like, he's just a, he, he's a, a toolbox. And yeah. the reality is when I've, I've met him, you know, a couple of times in person and, He's just always been this bizarre, like he thinks he's better than everybody, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I'm I've not heard, taking anything I've heard away that from, as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm not taking anything away from, from his work uh, or, you know, I mean, he'll tell you his work ethic is second to none, but. Oh, sure. Yeah. Better know, than Vince I'm, McMahon. Better than yeah, Vince McMahon absolutely. is what I hear. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to say that he doesn't work hard. I'm not going to say, I mean, he, this man has built a, a career uh, commenting on wrestling and, and more power to him. And uh, I respect the positives of what he's done. Um, right. I have no respect for the fact that he goes on and makes something up or right. just believes what someone said. You're not a reporter. If someone tells you something, you print it as fact. That's not what a reporter right. does. Right. And, you know, it, it's, so I have some issue with him. Uh, I love that, that Bruce Pritchard put it over and that he yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, it went, if you want to say viral because of Eric Bischoff tweeting right. it out saying, yeah. I thought I was stiff. Um, <laughs> Eric apparently loved it. Yeah. Um, Conrad. Uh, I know Conrad he was disappointed. Talked. Yeah. I know he said he wished you wouldn't have done that. Yeah. yeah. I heard. Oh yeah. And so he and I talked afterwards <laughs> and, uh -oh. uh, and he was fine. He, he, yeah. he was fine with it. Um, he, he didn't care at all. Yeah. I'm like, well, I stand by whatever. He's like, ah, oh, dude, he's like, I, I don't care. He's like, I just can't bury you know, he's like, right. yeah, I can't, I can't be burying him. He's like, Bruce is burying him. I got to, you know, defend him. And, um, and that's not to say that he was disingenuous in his, in his, I wish he didn't do that. I'm just saying, I don't think like, right. he, he didn't can't leave be the person it. To he didn't do lose that, any right. sleep over it. Conrad yeah. and I are still, you know, right. we still have a very good relationship. Um, <laughs> but um, I think and, one of the, uh, I was going to say, I was going to tie back to the Cornette thing and what you were saying and sort of tie back into this idea about AEW. Cause I know that there's, there's been some, criticism as far as AEW's product recently. Um, but Cornette, you, you said something along the lines of Cornette, 
becomes what he hates so much by right. criticizing and exposing the business as much as he does. Right. Um, do you think that that is his biggest, like, uh, do you think that's his biggest flaw as far as, as a commentator, or do you just think he's unable to, cause he said some stuff that I don't agree with, right? Like he talks mm-hmm. about, you know, I kind of enjoyed some of the Thunderdome stuff. Um, I really enjoy the theme Bray Wyatt. Like I know I might be in the minority on that camp, oh, but I know I he, do too. he shits all over that all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I, I I don't jive with that sort of idea. Do you just think he's unable? He's one of those folks that just is unable to adapt to the the changing of the time. Like, what what do you think about that? So it's funny. I wish I knew which episode it was, but there was an episode I did uh, like a year ago where I talked about Cornette and Meltzer's feud with each other. And it was a much less hate filled, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, segment. Right. But I felt, I truly believe that Cornette has backed himself into a corner. Agreed. He is now forced to say he doesn't like things that he might like. Right. I also think, you know, Cornette, I mean, you want to talk about being hypocritical. You can find footage of things that he's done that's more outlandish than the stuff he criticizes. Right. Um, I think his biggest flaw is that everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I understand sure. he's trying to get people talking. He's trying to get people to listen to a show. Right. Um, and I totally get that. I, I don't. I think his I'm weird in the sense that like um, I don't like when people talk about like, uh, I wish this person would die. I wish this person right. like I, right. To me, Not, I'm like, yeah. there are like some things we just kind of like, Hey, like there is, I like when some, someone had tweeted something about like, you know, the world would be better off without, um, without people like Dave Meltzer. And Why? Why? like, like I put it, I'm like, I, and someone came down on me because I liked the first part of their post and I made it clear. Um, I don't wish harm on him at all. I don't think the world would be better without Dave Meltzer. I think the world would be better if Dave Meltzer behaved differently. Right. But I don't, you know, I, I mean, I just think when you're talking about wrestling and like the stuff he's like Cornette has said about Kenny Omega and the young Bucks yeah. and like, you know, look, you don't have to like everybody. You don't have to like them in ring. You don't have to like them out of the ring. But I just, there. I think his flaw is the fact that he has said so many things that he can never, he can't step back. Right. You know, he, he, he's too deep into it. And um, I think that's the flaw because I think you, you can, your, your opinions are more valid when you're able to say, you know, hey, I actually really like this part. But that part isn't for me. Exactly. You know, right. uh, and I just and I get that that doesn't sell as much, you know, yeah. but well, Cornette's yeah, been I, he's spent an entire career being this outlandish, you yeah. know, figure. And right. I mean, like there are some things and again that, for him. He's got the code of Cornette right. and they're doing the thing. And, and he's the Cornette drive through. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like yeah. I, there are some things on AEW that I'm not huge on. You know, I love the street fight, but I'm not necessarily sold on the Young Bucks. It's just my preference. Mm-hmm. Not quite there yet. Um, hey, but I, I think, you know, the Young Bucks have always been you know, great to me right. in person. And that's um, what I'm saying. Like, I'm not I, trying to talk shit or anything. Away, yeah. yeah. Like I can't take away their athleticism uh, and their love for what they do and, and, you know, their work ethic. Um, I am one of those old school people that like, I look at it, you know, the way that I learned from guys like Al Snow and stuff like, sure. 
when I see the super kick party, I've hated that from the moment yeah. I first heard about it. Or the, the um, dives, super, the dives. Yeah, I, yeah. The dives are overdone, so they don't mean as much. And that's right. a psychology thing. But hey, if you have a fan base that loves it, then fine. The super kick party to me has always looked at it where if someone were to say, who is the worst super kick in wrestling? I'd say, oh, the Young Bucks. Yeah. They say, what? Why? They have the super kick party. It's so over. I go, yeah, but. They're the only people where two of them have to kick a person 10 times before the person falls down. Yeah. Like Shawn Michaels <laughs> right. only had to hit you once. One time. That's Richards it. only had to hit you once. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like the young bucks have the worst super kick in the world. And like yeah. that. Too, so I look at it from that and I go like, explain to me the psychology behind it. Right. And if the psychology is all the fans like it, then that's where I differ from Jim Cornette, where I say, okay, then you're, catering to your audience, right? And it's a business right. and you're doing the right thing. But if, if your psychology is, Oh, well, you know, I'm kicking them a bunch and then we hit them with a really big kick. Then I'm like, no, that's, that's just a right. weak kick then. Right. You know, so, yeah, well, it's, that's it's, my, and it's the same thing, like you said, with the, with the psychology. And that's, that's what the last question I want to get into before we get into my rapid fire questions here to you. Yeah. Um, you know, recently, I guess it was yesterday, the day before the internet exploded oh my because God. of Chris Jericho, a top AEW star is going to be appearing on the broken skull sessions with stone cold, Steve Austin, who isn't on WWE. I know there's been a lot of talk about AEW and impact crossover and like the pros and cons of that. Uh, Do you think that this is going to open that forbidden door? Or do you think that this is just more of a Chris Jericho is a legendary figure, rightfully so he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Do you think this is just them like honoring him and saying like, yeah, we're going to promote him. Like what, what do you think is the, uh, is the long, I find it interesting. However, I have to note that this episode specifically is airing after night two of WrestleMania. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's some kind of like hidden thing there. Cause usually something, you know, something, these, these types of things happen around the WrestleMania time. What, what do you, what's your take on this? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both of uh, uh, the sense that I think this was, Chris Jericho is a, he's the smartest man in wrestling. Like he, yeah. he, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And this is a, there, this is a no lose situation for AEW a right. no lose situation for uh, a or for uh, Chris Jericho. And honestly, this is a no lose situation for, for WWE, because if you're subscribing to the network and you're watching this, you know, and you see Chris Jericho, then yeah, that might put more eyeballs on AEW but it's not necessarily going to take eyeballs away from WWE. Right. And if it does take eyeballs away from WWE, then maybe that'll make WWE change in a way, you know, make them right. notice something. And in the way that WCW did to right. WWF back in the day. So I think, um, I don't know what, there's always, you know, the other back scratch, right? Like, scratch one person's back. The other one's got to get their back scratched somehow. Right. And I don't know if that's going to be a favor that's called in down the line. I don't know if that's a favor that's already been called in. I do not see a WWE AEW feud happening. Like I don't see that at all. I don't see a trading of talent. I do see this opening up that forbidden door in the sense of, well, things can happen. Right. Anything can happen. Um, I could see a possibility of this opening up the opportunity for Chris Jericho to go into the hall of fame one day right. for Dustin Rhodes to rightfully go into the hall of fame and have that, that type of a working relationship mm-hmm. where we can take these guys that are current, 
you know, or even um, something like Taz, right? Taz rightfully should Taz, be in, right? Yeah. Again, yes. So I, I I think that there's an opportunity. You know, Big Show, another right. one. Christian, another one. I think there are opportunities there, and and I think that what this is going to show is, hey, you know, nobody loses and everybody wins here. Right. The, the wrestling fans win. We're excited about it because every, I mean, everyone wants to see what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I think that this is also a great way to put it right at the end of, of, of night two. It's a great way to make sure people come back to watch the second half of, of WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> I just think uh, it's brilliant. It's something I never thought was going to happen. Certainly not, you know, at this, at, at this early stage of right. AEW. Um, but it's, it's incredible to me. I mean, I, I was a kid again when I saw yeah. that. I, I lost my mind over it. Um, I, could, I saw that. I saw it on my Instagram. I saw the, the, the skull and then I heard the noise and I said, wait a second. I know that noise. Yeah, your first and then, like, are they re, are reusing they using his, you know, why are they doing this? Like, you know, generic it, countdown noise now. Maybe like, Steve, yeah. maybe Steve Austin, maybe Steve Austin's interviewing Ralphus. We don't know for yeah, sure right. yet, but like yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell? I geeked, man. I marked out. And I think yeah. what I took away from this and this ties back into the psychology of this, what I took away from this is that it made me care again. And I think that's something yes. that is missing in pro wrestling in general. I don't know if you agree with that, but as far as I like, do. I love I, I, pro wrestling is one of the few things that I really feel like saved my life as a, as a teenager, right? Like hip hop, pro mm -hmm. wrestling, there's these, these marquee items in my life. And I feel like there's just something missing between that time with WWF and WCW and ECW and now. And I feel like yeah. it's, it, and it's just, maybe it's part of my issue with AEW is like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not invested. Nothing is bringing me back to the table, right? Like the fiend, great storyline. I'm, I'm always mm -hmm. invested in that character, but you know, I want to be fully invested in John Moxley. I want to be fully invested right. in, in Kenny Omega. And I want them to continue to bring me back. And this Chris Jericho and Steve Austin situation is making me care again. And I feel like that was my big takeaway yeah. from it. It's like, I care now again. I'm just really curious. Obviously it's going to be a heavy retrospective on sure. WCW and WWE, but I'm curious how much, you know, they're going to talk about AEW. You know, they're right. going to. They Jericho's have to. not there to put over WWE. Yeah, he doesn't work so, for him anymore. Yeah, he's going to have yeah, to. But I'm curious, are we going to see footage? Are we going to see, you know, um, it's a lot. Can. Yeah, it's absolutely a, can. It's a lot um, like when when they did the Sting documentaries on the network, when they had the the, the um, Victory Road this, clips from, from Jeff right. Hardy. I went back, yeah. I guess, I don't know if I watched it recently on the network and I saw, I was like, what the hell is this? I had no idea that TNA mm -hmm. had a working relationship with WWE on that footage. Right. I was like, this is fantastic. This is great. And this is, again, everybody wins because now you're painting. You're not acting as if these people don't exist outside of the universe, right? right? Like they do. It's just not there. What do you think about that though? Do you think, I mean, do you think, how do you think pro wrestling can bring people back the way they caught us? Like, how do you think they fix that? I promise it's the last question before I get into yeah, the part. No, no, no. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know honestly, um, how they can bring people back other than I think they need to, if you're, if you're going to acknowledge what you are, which is a work, right? If you're going to acknowledge that you're a work and you're going to give that little nod and wink to your audience and let, and, and, and they're going to know that then you can't put on a show as though you're not acknowledging that you're a work. Right. So you need to focus you need to focus more on the in-ring. You need to try and, I truly believe you need to try and, and work hard to recondition the fans to start questioning again. 
recondition them to start thinking, you know, if, if maybe storylines are based more on behind the scenes heat, you know, mm-hmm. and not yep. the, Oh, you, you slept with my wife crap. Like, you know, right. Like actual I, heat. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I think, you know, if, uh, if we start to look at it a little bit more, like, you know, I mean, God, Meltzer will print anything. So just tell him <laughs> something happened. You know, I think right. that that's the way that's going to get people engaged again. And, and then you start caring about the characters. I also think the network does an amazing job with these documentaries. You end up caring about yeah. the people more. What I would love to see is more of these documentary style interviews on TV. Yeah. And then have, the, yeah. have that yeah. translate in the way that they did with Mick Foley back in the day. Right. You know, right. Uh, which I think we just had an anniversary of, you know, I think, yeah, I think what well, is 20 years now, right? Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. So uh, something, God, I don't even know something Jesus. Like, it, ridiculous, but you know, I, I would like to, I'd like to see more of that. I'd like yeah. to see more of, you know, if we're going to show you who the real people are on the network, mm-hmm. don't feed me some BS character on TV. Right. Show me that real person on TV turned up to 11. And now I can get behind it. Exactly. And that's yeah. why I think people are getting behind Big E. Yeah. Because Big E is Big E. He's, right. you know, and you're seeing his documentary and you're seeing him and you're going, this is him, man. This yeah. is the dude. Like, this is who he really is. So that's the only way, really, I think, to get people invested again is to look at it differently and say, okay, we're focused much more on who the real people are. Right. Um, and take that approach. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I agree. I agree with you. I'm, uh, I'm with you, Josh. I'm going to rapid fire some questions at you real fast. All time favorite wrestling match. All time favorite wrestling match. Uh, I would have to say off the top of my head, Bret Hart and Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13. Good call. Favorite WrestleMania. Uh, favorite WrestleMania 17. Uh, close. Yeah. second would be nine just oh, because okay. I think, okay. My age at the time, I know people hate it. Yeah. But to me, that was such a special, yeah, special occasion. The absolute worst wrestling match of all time. Oh, God. Uh, there were a lot of, <laughs> a lot, so of divas, a lot of divas matches. Uh, but if we're talking big scale, but I've seen, you know, I spent too many years on the indies to yeah. pick just one. Honestly, <laughs> there are a lot of people who call themselves professional wrestlers who just, God, I mean, you can Google it, I'm oh, sure, and find shits, yeah. horrible, horrible matches. Your favorite uh, Hasbro figure? Uh, Bret Hart. Yeah. The first, the first series that he was in. Uh, the wrestler, the pro wrestler you would have most liked to have seen as a Hasbro figure back in the day? Um, I could say Blue Meanie, but uh, <laughs> um, Goldust. Yeah, that's a good choice. That was right around that time period. And that's why when the Mattel Goldust retro came out, I felt like I was like holding a, uh, I was like holding my dream in my hand of like what I had always like been like, oh man, come on, come on, just put out where are the Hasbros? Because you didn't know back then. There was no (laughs) internet telling you what, you know. Yeah, you know. What happened to the Hasbros? Where did they go? Why aren't they making these anymore? What are these Bendems? Um, So, (laughs) you know, because I remember I painted a Tom Zank figure to be gold dust. Oh no shit. Uh, so, That's cool, you know, man. Yeah. So like, cause I wanted a gold dust for yourself. No, I gold dust would have been. Been the one or, or heart foundation. Oh yeah. Like I don't know the why actual, they never did Jim Nightheart. Yeah, the yeah. actual, uh, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. Oh, and right. as the king of hearts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But gold dust was the one that came to mind first. Uh, the shirt off bump that you're most proud of. 
<laughs> what, oh, which one am I most proud of? Which one are you most proud of? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's got to be uh, Christian because he's clearly you know, I, I healed him of yep. his, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's got to be it's got to be Christian. Um, <laughs> you know? uh, the top WWE performer that you would most like to see uh, fight Kenny Omega. Uh, oh God. Um, I mean, I guess I, I would, I would probably Seth Rollins is coming to mind. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm missing out. Honestly, I think Randy Orton. Yeah. The Orton psychology so on that match. Damn yeah. good that I feel like he could bring, and people are going to get pissed about this, but he can bring psychology to the match with, mm-hmm. with Omega. I would um, say, I would say Cesaro, I would put in that list as well. I sure, feel like that absolutely. would be a barn burner, but I feel like Randy Orton would probably be. That's yeah. that would be my choice too. Uh, WCW or ECW? Depends on the on the year. <laughs> okay, peak, peak WCW pre Russo oh, or yeah. ECW? I, uh, I'd have to go with that. nothing. NWO days, the yeah. early NWO that was must see. ECW yeah. was I loved watching it. Uh-huh. But NW, but but like the WCW at that time, yeah. But it was that storyline because they also had like random matches with you know Jerry Flynn and people like that, which I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. What uh, yeah? What is this? Right. Whereas I never had an <laughs> I don't care match in ECW. Right. Like I always was into it. So I don't know. It's kind of tied there. Uh, last question: uh, Sting and the Undertaker finally face off. Who goes over? Oh man, uh, I feel like. It, it would have to be the undertaker. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's the right answer. Josh, yeah. just, uh, if you could, if you might, if you don't mind just, uh, plugging again, where can everybody check out your content again? So I know you have fight, which is so says Chernoff, which is once a month at the beginning of the month yes. and then uh, ad free. Usually, that's usually towards the end of the month. That towards one, the yeah, end of the month. Okay. Yeah. And then mind of the meanie, mind of the meanie is at mind of the meanie.com. Uh, mind of the meanie.com also at mind of the meanie across all social media. Um, and that is every Monday at 6am it drops wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and then every Monday at 6pm, uh, the video version is on fight. Awesome. Um, so says Chernoff is on fight, uh, but also over at youtube.com slash. So says Chernoff, uh, which I also have some other little interviews and stuff on there as well. Perfect. Josh Chernoff. Thank you so much for stopping by the show, man. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Proprietor.